Welcome to Yes You, a podcast for women to imagine, explore, and step right on into a new paradigm of life and leadership. I'm Annie Carter, a conscious business owner, yoga practitioner, and a big believer that this world needs all women to show up just as we are. This world needs you. Yes, you. Are you in? Let's do this. Hey, welcome. So good to have you here. Thank you for being with me. Please pause with me for a moment as we just stop to acknowledge and to pay our respect to the First Nations people of this country. And today I want to remind you of just how important it is that we seek out and listen to and read from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander authors. So it's super important, of course, that we learn from our First Nations people about First Nations history, stories, culture. And so it might be about reading nonfiction books and really getting to understand some of those things, which you know that I am all about. But also it's about reading fiction. It's about reading creative expression and listening to those voices, celebrating Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voices in the creative sphere as well. And I want to invite you to join me in a book club. That's right, with Eve Studio, we are starting a book club this month and we're going to be reading a book by Anita Heiss. The book is called Bila Yaradunga Langdurai, which translates as River of Dreams. So Bila Yaradunga Langdurai is in the Wiradjuri language. And uh, it's a fiction book. It's a historical fiction. Uh, I've started reading it and it's awesome. And so, yeah, I want to invite you to join us. We're going to just read it in our own time and have one session on Zoom where we get together and chat it through. It's free. There'll be a community chat group where you can just, you know, post any ideas that you have and we just chat about it. So love you to be a part of it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but you can also just find it through my Instagram connecting with me at it's at underscore Annie Carter, or you can go to Eve's Instagram, which is at underscore Eve studio underscore. Now it's been interesting, even as I have been preparing to start this, this book club and even getting this book and on the front of the book cover is the title, of course, that's pretty standard, but it's kind of a thing that Anita Heiss chose to use Wiradjuri language and for the book title. And it's a big, long word. And to be honest, I've had to practice it. I looked it up on, I Googled, how do you pronounce it? And I listened to her pronounce it. And then I've done my best to try and pronounce it myself. So Bira Yaradangalangdurai. But the reason that I kind of went into that and I was like, okay, I want to understand it. I want to be able to pronounce it myself was because I noticed that my first reaction when I saw that that's the name was to kind of flip to the other side, like the back cover of the book where it just says River of Dreams and uh, which is the English translation. And I just think, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll just call it River of Dreams or I'll just say, oh, it's that Billa blah, blah, blah book called River of Dreams. And it just struck me that that tendency to dismiss is kind of part of colonized culture, colonizer 
culture and white privilege as well, just this kind of centering of myself. Oh, it's much easier for me to use my language. But the author of this book chose to use Wiradjuri language front and center. Like that is the actual name of the book. And then there's an English translation for it if if you choose. And so I think that it's just in all of these little ways that we either kind of connect and go into and challenge ourselves if that's what it takes to acknowledge and pay respect to Aboriginal people and and culture and in this case language or as an alternative that we kind of just dismiss them because they're a little bit tricky for us or because they're uncomfortable or because it's just easier for us to do something else. So, yeah, I feel like it's kind of all of the small ways that we do things kind of end up being reflected in all of the big ways that we do things where we completely dismiss and disregard and erase Aboriginal culture, history, stories, people. So, yeah. That's why I have spent some time <laughs> seeking to be able to pronounce this this name of this book as best I can. So maybe you can too. Love to have you in the book club. Check it out. So today I want to offer you kind of an approach to structuring your day that I hope that you might find helpful. I've found this really helpful myself lately and so thought I'd share it with you just in case it works for you too. The reason I started thinking a little bit more about the structure of my days was, well, really the fact that I was having no structure in my day (laughs) since being in lockdown, where there's just not that much that kind of creates a mark in my day. I felt like it actually just was sort of so fluid that can feel really great at times where it's like, oh, I can just be completely creative and just go with the flow, do what feels good at whatever time and all of that. But it became sort of so fluid that actually it's like, you know what, I sort of need a bit of just a bit of scaffolding, a little bit of structure to support me throughout the day and to yeah give my days and my week overall a little bit of form. So if you're feeling that yourself, that a little bit of structure might uh, might be useful, then hopefully this will be helpful to you too. Some of you may not, you might, or you might not be in lockdown, but you also might be in lockdown, but with structure, if you're doing homeschool with your kids or whatever, then you might kind of be like, oh my gosh, I actually just need a bit of fluidity, a bit of loose time. So maybe that's what you need to do, but we'll get into it and you can see if this might be supportive for you. So as you know, I am all about cycles and I believe that living in a cyclical way is really the most natural and sustainable way of life. And Ayurveda, which is the ancient science that originates in the Vedic period, Vedic wisdom in and around the Indian subcontinent, uh, thousands of years old, Ayurveda teaches us to live really close to nature and teaches that we are part of nature. And so therefore we follow nature's systems, nature's rhythms. And I'm a huge fan of Ayurveda as an approach to living and to health. And I have been practicing it to varying degrees for about eight years now. I've been seeing an Ayurvedic doctor 
over that time, the amazing Dr. Gurnam Saini, who has a practice in Melbourne, Pure Herbal Ayurveda, in case you want to check it out, him and his wife, Puja, who is also an amazing doctor that I've seen too. Yeah, really generous. They love to share about Ayurveda. They're really passionate about it. And yeah, I have really loved not only being treated by them, but learning so much from them as well. So I do just want to acknowledge them before I launch any further into this. If you wanted to read some more about Ayurveda generally, you could check out Maya Tuwari or David Frawley. Uh, They both have several books about Ayurveda that uh, you might want to have a look into. What I really love about Ayurveda is that it is holistic in its approach. I love that it's not kind of like this one size fits all. It recognizes that each one of us is different and that each one of us is different day to day and at different times and phases in our life. It recognizes the seasons. I also like that it's not extreme. So as I've seen my Ayurvedic doctor They have never been like, if you don't do absolutely everything I'm recommending, then it's kind of don't even bother. Like you have to do all or nothing. Actually, it's really like recognize that sometimes you have limited capacity to apply new routines or to eat new foods or to do different things that for whatever reason that may actually be really challenging or difficult or even impossible for you. And so it's like a beautiful, gentle approach where it's do what you can, do what's supportive of you as you can, when you can, and pay attention to just see how it feels. And I guess in that way, you keep on growing with it. So yeah, it feels really kind of aligned for me, or I feel really aligned with its values and that approach. So Ayurveda considers all of nature to be made up of five states, the five states being earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And that includes us. And different combinations of those different states or elements form the doshas. You might have heard of the doshas. The doshas, there are three of them. There's kapha, pitta, and vata. And each of them have different qualities based on those elements that they're made up of. So I'm not going to go into huge detail. I would recommend if you're interested to either go to my doctor or an Ayurvedic doctor or read some of those books that I just mentioned before. But really, really basically, kapha is made up of water and earth and its qualities are steadiness, stability, groundedness, centering. And also when kind of out of balance or flared up, kapha can be a kind of sluggishness or a a laziness. And I know for me, when I first got into Ayurveda, I went to my Ayurvedic doctor because I was feeling really foggy in my head. I felt really kind of like my brain just wasn't sharp, wasn't functioning really quickly. And I felt like I sort of just had this constant fog in my head. And when I went to see the Ayurvedic doctor, he was like, your your kapha is elevated right now. You need to calm the kapha down. And as we did that through various different techniques, I took some herbs, I changed how I was eating a little bit, I changed some of my daily routines, that fog in my head dissipated. 
So anyway, that's kapha. And then there's pitta. Pitta is made up of fire and a little bit of water. And pitta is basically what it sounds like. It's fiery, it's active, it's getting things done. It can be when it's out of balance, depending on what aspect of it is out of balance, because there are lots of different layers to this. Physically, it can be kind of like an overheating in the body. Emotionally, it might be kind of getting feisty, aggressive. Mentally, it could be like an overthinking, super active mind. So yeah, that is Pitta. And then we've got Vata. So Vata is air and ether. And Vata is your more creative, flowing, movement, flighty perhaps, which has the potential when it's in excess to go into kind of anxiety, yeah, sort of flitting from one thing to the next, not being able to focus at all. So yeah, there they are, Kapha, Pitta and Vata. And each one of us has a unique type. And so you might be a combination of one or two of those doshas. For me, I am pitta and a little bit of vata, and that's kind of my natural state. And so I always need to be mindful to be settling pitta because there's always that potential for me to kind of end up really fiery. And I feel it mostly in my physical body, the pitta kind of really manifests and I can get super hot. But there are times when either my kapha or vata, they might become out of balance and I might need to work to address those. So yeah, I often will find myself prompted to go back to see Dr. Saini when I know, when I'm feeling a bit either physically kind of lethargic and sluggish, or yeah, if my mind is getting kind of heavy and uh, foggy and just not thinking really clearly, that often will be a cue for me to go and see him. And usually that will be a sign that kapha is out of balance. Anyway, that's just a very, very brief introduction to the doshas and how they are within us. But the thing is that the doshas also exert influence on different times of the day and night. According to Ayurveda, there is a clock that covers these different doshas. So basically 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. is kapha time. 10 to 2, like 10 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon, and 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. is pitta time. 2 till 6 is vata time. And if we can understand the qualities of these times based on the doshas, then we can optimize our schedule around them to really find a kind of nice natural ebb and flow to our days and find a really lovely balance. So I'm aware of these times and I follow them loosely, but lately as I've been feeling that kind of lack of structure in my life, I found myself drawn back to them. I was like, okay, I think I want to focus in on these a little bit more. Let these provide a nice gentle structure for my days. So let me share what that looks like and maybe you'll find it helpful too. 
Okay, so we're talking to begin with 6am till 10am is kapha time. So like I said before, kapha is grounding, earth, stable kind of energy. It has the potential for sluggishness, like I said before. And so Ayurvedic wisdom teaches that you should get up before kapha time begins. So wake up early. So you'd be waking up prior to 6am. And I may have lost you (laughs) already, but stay with me. Like I said, you can apply whatever you find useful and whatever is doable for you. But so the idea is that you would be up before 6am or as early in that time, that cover time as you could be, so that you don't end up feeling too sluggish. And you might've experienced that sometimes waking up early, you'll wake up and feel quite fresh, but you can think that you want to sleep in, but when you wake up, say at eight or nine or 10, or that you actually feel worse, like even though you had more sleep, that it actually didn't refresh you. If you've experienced that, it might be worth you exploring just waking up prior to that cuffer time starting because you don't want to kind of wake up in the middle of that and then sort of have that potential for the sluggishness. And the next thing that you can do during this time is just to get moving. It can be a good time to do any your, whatever your practices might be. Ayurveda certainly prescribes a bunch of practices, but I'm not going to go into those today at all. But to meditate might be that you get up and you run or you do your asana practice, like yoga postures, pranayama, breathing practice. And then really harnessing the groundedness of this time can be just a good time to set your intentions for the day. It might be that you get out your journal or that you get out a notebook and plan your day. It's like you're kind of steadying yourself, setting your focus for the day ahead. In terms of food, Ayurvedic wisdom is it's all about your digestive fire and it says that the fire isn't very strong at this time of the day. So contrary to maybe more Western wisdom, teaching that would say breakfast is the most important meal of the day, Ayurveda would say to just eat something pretty light in the morning. And then we move into Pitta time, which is from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. So this is the fiery time. This is where you might find that you can be more active and driven. And so this can be a really good time to just get stuff done, to really focus on work. And I think this has been what's been really helpful for me as I've needed a bit more structure in my days lately to just kind of go, you know what? Because there's always work for me to do. I need to just add that in, (laughs) that running a business, even while the studios are closed, there's always stuff that can be done. And so you can kind of live in this constant state of sort of working, sort of not working. So it's been helpful for me to go, you know what, between 10 and 2, don't ask the question, am I working or not? Like, yes, you're working. Get some things done. Use that pitta energy to to really focus and to achieve whatever you want to achieve in the day. Really focus energy in that particular time. In terms of food, lunch is the biggest meal of the day, according to Ayurveda, because the digestive fire, that Agni, is the strongest at that time. And so it might be that you eat a bigger meal. And then we move into Vata time, which is 2 p.m. till 6 p.m. And Vata being more airy, this is a time for more creativity, for some more kind of fluidity, flow and play. 
So for me, I may or may not still be working. This is while I'm in lockdown, but I'll move into more creative projects, things where I want to dream stuff up. It might be that I'll just do like actually some art or some sort of design work, or it's also just been a time where I've just allowed myself to kind of go, what do I feel like? And just to follow that. So where I'm applying more discipline around the getting up in the morning, doing my movement practice, doing all of the stuff, and then working, focusing, steady time for pitta time. When it gets to two in the afternoon, I'm wanting to make a bit of a shift into less discipline, I suppose, and more just creativity, following what seems best to me in that time. And I'm sure that you can see already that this just rings of that cyclical way of living, that there's times for intensity and there's time for more gentleness and less intensity, less structure. So yeah, you can see why I love it. Then we go into kapha time again. So it repeats over into the evening and into the nighttime. So 6 p.m. till 10 p.m. is kapha, whereas in the morning you kind of use the grounding energy but get moving and things so that you don't end up with the kind of sluggish energy of kapha time. In the evening you can really just kind of go with that And allow the kapha energy to help you just to settle and to relax. The idea in Ayurveda would be that you eat quite early in this time. So eat as close to six as you can, and then just really settle. Let your whole system relax. So take it easy, minimize any sort of stimulation that might pep you up and instead just really focus on winding down to head to bed. And the idea is that you would get to bed before 10 p.m. while you're still in that kapha time to really use the kapha energy to help you to move into a really deep and restful sleep. I can hear the voice of my mum in my head saying it's the hours before midnight that really count. (laughs) If you heard that, I'm sure you have. But yeah, the mum used to always say that to us as kids, like it's the hours before midnight that really make a difference that are really restorative for you. And Ayurveda concurs with that. So from 10pm till 2am, we're back into pitta time. And so the understanding of this is that your body is active in detoxification and repair during this time. You want to be asleep for that so that you don't interrupt that process at all. And also that if we don't get to sleep before 10 and we move into that pit of time while we're still awake, then we kind of lose the kapha energy, that groundedness and relaxed state and start to fire up again. And you might've experienced this. I know I definitely have where it's like you get a second wind at night. And also pitta being the fire is also going to fire up appetite again. And so you might find that suddenly you're like, hmm, I'm getting a bit hungry again and doing the midnight munchies. Another thing that you might notice, and again, I definitely have, has been that sometimes if you're still awake after 10, that before you know it, it's midnight or 1am. I've had that happen so many times where I'll be tired maybe at 9 p.m. and could probably go to sleep, but I don't. And I stay awake. And then before I know it, it's 10 o'clock. And then it's like I just blink 
and it's 11 and it's not because I fell asleep. It'd be like if I'm, I don't know, whether I'm like just sitting watching TV or if I'm reading a book or whatever, but just suddenly even doing something sometimes, I used to really consider myself a night owl. And I think it's probably because I am really pitta. And so when I would stay up until 10, my pitta would meet the pitta of those hours and I would just get really fired up and I would often feel like, oh, I can be super productive in that time. But it ultimately didn't serve me because I'd end up just really tired the next day and missing out on that really good sleep. So although, yeah, it sort of felt good and I could be up and studying or working or whatever, I think there's some real wisdom in this idea of not doing that and of getting to bed earlier so that your body can just kind of use all of that energy for restoration, really. And then we move into Vata time from 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. And so that's where there's possibly a lightness to the sleep. You might find that you toss and turn a little bit more, you wake up a little bit. And Ayurveda teaches that because Vata is made up of air and ether, there's a like a spiritual quality to Vata. So there's a spiritual sensitivity that we have during this time. And so it's considered to be an ideal time to meditate. And so you may have heard of it being quite auspicious to get up before the dawn and to meditate during that time because of that vata energy where we might more easily attune to our highest self. And like I said before, there's something great about waking up while we're still in that vata phase where there's a a lightness and an energy to our awakening rather than moving too far into kapha time from 6am onwards and sort of ending up maybe feeling a little bit more lazy and struggling to wake up at that point. So that's it. Have a go and see how that goes for you. You want to just note that your own doshas will interplay with the dosha times, I like I've referred to already. So if you are, say, more kapha, then it's even more important that you wake up early and you eat light in the morning or else your kapha is going to connect with the kapha of that time and really kind of go through the roof and you might find that you don't just get the beautiful groundedness and centering and stability of kapha, but you also end up with the kind of sluggishness and the lethargy. If you're more vata, then it might be that actually a little bit more sleep is going to be supportive. So it may be that you sleep more light in general. And so it's perhaps not quite as important that you're up before that 6am point. You might sleep in a little bit more, or it might be that you just really do focus on going with the kapha energy in the evening and making sure you are asleep by 10, doing things to really wind down and to support yourself to calm that airiness. So if you think of air and ether kind of being away from the earth, sort of this flightiness, then for Vata, you just want to really support the calming and the grounding. 
Vata people may also find that in that Vata time, particularly 2 till 6 a.m., that you might not only be wakeful, but even wakeful and have a kind of Vata experience in your mind, like worrying, some anxiety starting to kind of really start to think a whole lot. And so once again, it's really important that you support yourself to be as settled as you possibly can. For people like me, pitta people, it's not great to like exercise in the middle of the day when pitta is already high, the sun is high in the sky and to be kind of doing intense exercise, like it'd be okay to do something more steady. But yeah, you wouldn't want to kind of do anything that's going to really exacerbate that heating too much. And like I said before, just take it easy in the nighttime, pitta people. If you can be in bed before 10, then you won't kind of get that potential second wind where you kind of end up missing not only 10 p.m., but also 11 p.m., 12 p.m., and you find yourself still awake at like 2 in the morning or something. So you may have a sense of what your doshas are. Uh, There are plenty of quizzes and things like that online that you can do to work those out. But I would really recommend if this is of interest to you, like I've said before, go and see an Ayurvedic doctor because they can really tune into it. They feel your pulse and help you understand your doshas with more nuance than obviously any sort of online quiz is going to be able to do. Alrighty. Well, I hope that you find that helpful and I'll be interested to see how you go with it if you give it a try. So please do connect with me. Find me on Instagram at underscore Annie Carter. I would love to hear from you as to your experience. And a little reminder about the book club. We're starting up soon. Would love you to be part of it if you'd like to be. Okay. Sending you lots of love. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me. Head on over to my website, anniecarter.com.au, where you'll find some free resources to support you in your life and leadership. Please make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and I would really love your help in spreading the word about Yes You. So if you have friends who you think would enjoy it, please let them know. You could take a minute to write a review saying why you're loving it, and you could screenshot this episode and share it on your social media. Make sure you tag me on Instagram at underscore Annie Carter. Until next time, let me remind you that you, yes, you are awesome. And I'm so glad you're here. Sending you big love and I'll chat to you soon.